Well, hello there. I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Well, welcome. This is Karen from Aging Fearlessly. And right now I am living and working remotely from our motorhome and we are in Queensland. New South Wales is in a lockdown, so it's pointless trying to cross the border. We're hopping from town to town, caravan park to caravan park, because there are so many people like us displaced and doing the same thing. No one wants to go back to New South Wales. One of the great things about this is we are meeting and spending time with some wonderful people who are willing to share their stories. And my guest today is Tracy Scroy. And I was fascinated to learn more about Tracy because she is a minor. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, Karen. Thanks. Well, Tracy, honestly, I dragged you into my motorhome today when I found out what you do and I think it's incredible that you are living in your motorhome and traveling at the moment but you've left for a little while your career as a miner. What made you decide to become a miner? Well I've always been a bit of a tomboy. Um, I had moved from Queensland to New South Wales with a a partner at the time and I was looking for a career change and I didn't know what I wanted to do and I just got like a job working in a produce store to start with until I figured it out. My partner was like you should try this mining I think you'll really like it and he (laughs) kept at me for a while and eventually I was like "Ah." okay, I don't know really what else I'm doing at the moment, so I'll I'll give it a go. And um, that was 12 years ago. (laughs) So being a miner and actually starting a job in the mines, tell us about that. Um, So I, like I said, I'm a bit of a tomboy. So, you know, playing with big toys and machinery was kind of appealing and... um, So I started off by getting a traineeship, Mm -hmm. a two-year traineeship, and within that we learnt the dump truck skill is the first skill that you learn, and then two others on top of that. Uh, One was the water cart, and the other one is a pushcat that I did, and that's like a, a dozer, but with rubber wheels instead of tracks. So that's what I did over two years, and after that time they decided that they would like to keep me on, and... um, I wanted to stay so from there I kept building up my experience and my skill base learning more machines and yeah. (laughs) Well I've heard it's really first of all very hard to get jobs in the mines is that correct? It can be. Um, I think it depends a lot on the timing and you know mining will go through phases of uh like I work in coal so you know if coal prices and things are down then you know jobs become less and things like that but then when things are ramping up then it's much easier to get a job and you can get a job with no experience or traineeships and things like that at that time so timing I think (laughs) so tell us about the mine 
that you or mines you work in are they open cut are you underground yes open cut an open cut coal mine in the hunter valley and are they really large uh yeah my mine is probably one of the biggest mines in the area so pretty big i there's a pretty big workforce i can work with um like i guess my work crew is quite large so i can go to work all week or two weeks and not see you know a particular person or a particular people you know in the mine like there's that many people that work there and it's that big that you know we're doing different jobs all the time and yeah so it's pretty big <laughs> is it hot and sticky work uh not generally for us as um machine operators because we're in our air-conditioned cabs so it's not like we're out there with a, <laughs> a pick and shovel like the other day <laughs> I just imagine mining picks and shovels. Picks and shovels and canaries, no. <laughs> and a, a bottle of rum afterwards. <laughs> I met a miner recently, but she was an opal miner. And oh. at 19, she started her apprenticeship, as she calls it, as an opal miner. And she said she did a lot of time on the jackhammer <laughs> and pushing the barrels out of the mines yeah, and I have right. this vision of, of a young woman who once owned or managed bikini boutiques <laughs> pushing carts wow. out of mines and I go oh my god what a backflip <laughs> yeah it is a backflip and but tell me um big machinery is that fun how do you, you know, tell me about learning this machinery. Yeah, I think it's it's quite fun. I like the challenge of learning something new. Um, yeah, it's just, it's big Tonka toys. It's just everything <laughs> on a bigger scale. <laughs> bigger scale. Oh, you really are a tomboy. <laughs> <laughs> big Tonka toys, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, once you, I guess, yeah, but you know, like everything that you do, once you learn something new, then it just becomes, you know, second nature or like normal, really. Um, I remember a time of, I think I'd been mining for about six years or so, and so everything was just starting to get a little bit maybe mundane or normal. And then I had the opportunity to bring some friends out to look at the mine and take them actually for a drive around in the truck and stuff like that one day. And they were just like, oh, wow, this is so cool and stuff. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, thanks. Like, because I'd kind of forgotten how maybe different it is for most people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about on-the-job training. Big machinery. Can you tell us about learning how to use big machinery? And how big? <laughs> and how big? Very, very big. Um, starting with the size, um, I can stand beside a tyre and not even... Uh, I'm 165 centimetres high, and so when I stand beside the tyre, I'm not even up to the top of the tyre. So, yeah, that's for an example. <laughs> and above that, are they like a couple of storeys high in terms of if you were compared it to a block of home units uh yeah probably about two stories high i guess yeah we have to get up to the cab by walking up a flight of stairs basically i guess yeah like going so. on a Qantas for <laughs> pretty much <laughs> up to the cab please yeah. <laughs> i've got the pilot's license here <laughs> so learning these machines yeah so um like i said i think i said i started as a traineeship 
So, um, yeah, basically never been in anything like this before. But I had come from operating, like I could operate a forklift um, and a front-end loader before mining. But that was pretty rare in a traineeship, I guess. Not a lot of people, or not everyone had that um, to start with. Um, and, yeah, it's just size. I think size is the biggest thing. Once you can get over that, then it just becomes, like, driving a really big car or... <laughs> Well, and you've you can operate more than one type of machine. Yeah, yeah. So um, starting on the jump trucks is what everyone does. Uh, water cart. I have the push cat, which is that rubber tire dozer, uh, the track dozer skill, and also a couple of years ago I got the excavator skill, so the big digger skill as well. Yeah. <laughs> How long does it take to be skilled up in? say one machine the big digger skill ah the big digger machine big (laughs) digging machine yeah um so i uh, haven't spent lots of time on that one so i wouldn't say i'm like really skilled up on that machine but i guess it's all different like times of learning a machine is all different depending on how much time you can get on it and how quickly you can pick it up and yeah, a few variables there. <laughs> Do they give you a learner's plate when you're out there learning? <laughs> a big L, watch out. <laughs> Most people know. <laughs> they can tell. <laughs> I can maybe liken it to learning how to steer a 40-foot outrigger canoe and my coach was sitting up behind me going, you have to adjust it before it turns off (laughs) and and I'm not making much sense when I explain it, but I can't imagine. You've always got to think ahead anyway. So probably similar sort of things. Yeah. Yeah, You've got to watch it and and be thinking. Yeah. Proactive, not reactive. Yeah. (laughs) A woman in the mines. Yes. Very male dominated industry. How is it for women in the mines? Uh, when I started in mining 12 years ago, there was probably only about three other girls out of a crew of close to 100 mm-hmm. uh, on the crew. But now uh, there's far more these days. Um, at our mine in particular, I'm not sure. I think it's everywhere, but uh, we're really working towards getting more women in mining in my particular pit. Um, so, yeah, the percentages are like a lot higher these days than they used to be. It's becoming more and more commonplace for females to be in the mining industry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. And I did an interview just recently and we were talking about women in policing and in fire and in ambulance. When I was younger, you know, say 30 years ago, it was something that you know, it was rare that women went into those types of roles, especially mm-hmm. the fireys. Yeah. Um, and to me, when, when we spoke today, that's probably why I did a double take. Is like, <laughs> when you work in the mines, I don't know many women who work in the mines, and I'm fascinated. But working with so many men, I mean, I know your mine, there are more women. Is that difficult? Are there challenges? Um, for me, I don't feel that I've ever really been uh, challenged or intimidated or, or anything by working with men. Maybe it comes from being lucky with the um, particular men that I work with. 
but as I said earlier, like I'm a bit of a tomboy and I've always, when I was younger, had more male friends and female friends and felt more in a position of comfort around them and doing mm-hmm. like boy things, like, you know, typically boy things back then, I guess. So, and yeah, always found it really easy to get along with, with men in general. So yeah, for me, not so, so much, but others I can see, yeah, maybe a little, but yeah, I think it really depends on who you work with as well. And I think the men on our crew are really welcoming and um, willing to uh, teach and share and yeah. Do you think having women on a mine site helps with safety? Or I think people help with safety. Like it depends. I don't see men or women as being any different in that respect like mm-hmm. people are people so yeah no. good answer <laughs> <laughs> and the same with that you know the whole women and mining thing you know uh there's been a real big push to get more women at our mine um and sometimes men seem to be overlooked for positions at the moment in preference of women just to get that equal opportunity um, look out to the public, I think, but I think, you know, your job's a job and it should be rated on the person, not the gender. <laughs> What's, what reaction do you get from women when you say you work in a mine, you're a miner? Uh, in my area where I live, it's pretty common. <laughs> uh, well, outside? Uh, like your reaction? Like, wow, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all different, depending on where you live, I guess, and what what's more commonplace. What yeah. sort of questions do people ask you? Like, similar things to what I'm yeah, asking Yeah, pretty you? much. Like, how big and stuff like that. Mostly size, but people are just interested in, like, how big things are, I think. <laughs> so, the day in the life of a miner, just in general, male or female, mm-hmm. what does your day look like? Uh, so, I work a 12 and a half hour shift. And I'm on a four-week rotating roster. So uh, I work from home. Uh, Sorry, I don't work from home. I don't work from a camp. Like, I don't fly in, fly out or anything like that. I live at home, rather, and I travel to work each day. Um, I live 10 minutes from work, or I used to. I've just moved a little bit further away now. But 10 minutes from the mine is where my home was. Um so I go in for my 12 and a half hour shift and I'm, it's either two or three days in a row with a couple of days off in between and switching from days to nights. So quite a lot of switches. I think the most challenging thing for me is working night shift. <laughs> so a night shift and mm. you're in an open cut mine, obviously yep. it's very well lit. <laughs> yeah, the, the working areas are. Ah, oh, okay. Not the roads so much. <laughs> and... This is my perception. Mm-hmm. When you go to work, do you go through a breathalyzer every time you work? Not every time. We have random um, DNA tests, drug and alcohol tests. So a certain number of people are drawn out of a like a draw each shift. And oh, you're going... the lucky draw today. <laughs> you, get to... you get to pee in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. So there's um, yeah random uh, urine uh, tests and breathalyzer tests. Yeah. And I imagine the penalties for being for having drugs or alcohol in your system would be 
very high. Yep, yep, not so good. You, yeah, you'll be lucky to keep your job after that. <laughs> so it probably keeps many people, you know, in a good healthy position because they know they can't come to work after a massive night out. <laughs> You'd like to hope so, yep. <laughs> <laughs> what have you learnt in, um, in being a miner? You know, I know skills of, of um, driving and, and working big machinery, but what have you actually learnt? What, maybe what have you learnt about yourself? I dislike working night shift. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I've heard that from nurses, oh, doctors. <laughs> yes, it's a struggle. It really is. Yeah. Um, I think it's becoming harder each year. <laughs> I don't know if that's because I'm getting a bit older or, or I don't know. But, yeah. Um, I've actually, coming back to the women, I've actually through mining I've actually gained more female friends than I've had in my entire life too so mm -hmm. I guess yeah we have we've come together to work in this place for some reason I don't know it's yeah do we have something in common too so and it's good education on the job it's continuous yes all the time yeah yeah when you're learning new skills it is yeah for sure otherwise if you're a truck driver and you've learned that it's the same every shift <laughs> So do you have licenses for many pieces of equipment? Is it a license that you have to hold? or uh, It's it's uh, a skill set within that mine. So if you were going to a different mine, um, yeah, they can see that or you get the piece of paper to say that, yes, you can do these things, but it's not like... Um, Oh, greater skill. Sorry, that's another one I have. <laughs> it's not like, oh, yeah, I can uh, operate a grader in a mine. You, It's not like you have that ticket out on the road crew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just mining. So I imagine for work that not many of the women put on high heels. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I Not unless they have steel caps. <laughs> <laughs> steel cap. I, I've got my stilettos on today. I'm having trouble... You know, I mean, I know the workplace in many places these days has changed and people don't dress the way they used to, even in the corporate world. <laughs> you don't always have to wear a suit to work. But what, what sort of dress, what's your dress code? <laughs> dress code. We have a uniform, so it's high-vis and steel caps, basically, with your hard hat. Sometimes there's different um, styles of hard hats that you can buy. <laughs> or so stickers. Legit. Yeah, stickers. Definitely stickers as well. But um, sometimes we're able to buy, like, charity high-vis shirts or charity... Um, yeah, hard hats. So, yeah, but other than that, it's pretty plain. <laughs> so you have to buy your own uniforms? No, no. They're oh, provided. They're provided. Yeah, or... so these other, like, charity things. It's, then you, you might know, it's do it as a charity. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Look, so I've met you on the road, and you're a single woman travelling in a camper, and I have met so many single women travelling uh, on the road around these camping grounds where we've been going, what's the big attraction? To travelling on our own? I'm actually not a single woman now, which there's a whole other story, but yes, I'm travelling solo. Um, I have always wanted to do a bit of travel and it just never happened for some reason or another, mm -hmm. um, starting with backpacking when I was 16. I, I don't know why I didn't ever go and do it, but it's something that's always kind of sat there for me. 
and I had just come to like a time in my life when it was it was the right thing to do so I started planning and yeah made it happen I was like this thing is going to happen one way or another I'm not going to regret not doing this yeah and so have you got like a time frame on travel are you just taking off on the road with a plan or are you just like us fairly unplanned yeah unplanned yes maybe I'll do this and or maybe I'll do that and no no real time frame so which is nice yeah well the reason I also ask that is because we've had people asking to have a look at our van women looking oh this is a nice size van we wouldn't mind one of these because we want to travel on there on our own and I enjoy traveling with someone so I I just I'm fascinated at that these women are really wanting to get up and go and see Australia and do it themselves. I guess for me, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would call myself fairly adventurous, and um, but I'm also fairly, like, I need a lot of my own space. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm social for a while, I really need to pull back and just spend time on my own and recharge that way. So I guess that's my type of, like, that's who I am. I need that. So solitude really works for me, yeah. And what sort of planning did you put into, like, vehicle and what you take with you when you're travelling like this? Okay, yeah. So um, I kind of had a bit of a plan that when I went on the road that I would want to make a little bit of money along the way somewhere. And I didn't really... I wasn't really interested in working in bars or fruit picking and stuff like that. And just... I guess my circumstances and one thing led to another where I um, decided that I was going to study massage mm-hmm. and I things just started falling into place. Like I knew I wanted to do this travel thing. Um, I ended up coming out of a relationship that I, um, that I took pretty bad, pretty hard. And I, I'm also really into yoga, so yoga is where I found my peace after that breakup, and that took me to going to India to study to be a yoga teacher. Ooh. Yeah, so, and then just kind of along the way on that, I thought, yeah, I don't know what led me to massage. I knew I wanted to study something else for a long time and was really interested in body science and things like that and looked at dietetics for a while, but it really didn't sit well 100% and massaged, I don't know, it just came up. And then it just all really kind of, yeah, all the all the pieces started lining up as yep. to this van travelling plan. <laughs> well, you've really thought outside the box because you had a sign at the office in the campground that... <laughs> said that you were doing massage and where we could find you and my partner knows me a massage <laughs> I went I'm on my way to find Tracy <laughs> Fantastic. and of course I had a massage today which was wonderful but I take my hat off to you that really is thinking out of the box to actually set up in a campground yeah, I guess I'd kind of heard of people doing it before, you know, looking at different things that you could do on the road to make money. And you hear of um, hairdress- hairdressers. I don't know if you guys have come across any hairdressers. I need one. <laughs> Me too, actually, at the moment. <laughs> hairdressers or and also um, beauty therapists. Um, what else have I heard of, like... 
even like dog, like pet groomers and things, dog groomers. Yeah, so... Colin needs one of those back in Sydney (laughs) because his dog needs grooming and he's not there to do it. Oh, no. (laughs) But, yeah, well, I haven't come across these people along the way, but I think it's marvellous that you've just done a pivot and you're helping to pay and fund for your holiday or your, your travels. I take my hat off to you. I think it's absolutely <laughs> wonderful, and it's so well well done the way that you're doing it. You're completely set up with your tent and your your, your massage bed yeah. and your towels and all your equipment and how people can pay and how you can collect information. <laughs> so you know, it's all just so professional. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I I really am. I would never have imagined something being so professional. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, just remotely like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, I really strive for that too. So I'm glad that um, you kind of picked up on that. And I don't know if I actually told you, but this is actually my first campground that I have done this. Like I'm only just starting out. Well, you've done a great job thanks. already. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I can only hope I've yeah thought of a little... A uh, few improvements already, so yeah, hopefully things will only get better from here on in. So I think <laughs> it's very brave, and you know, it takes courage to make a change in your life. That's I know this is not necessarily your your complete career change at the moment and traveling on the road, but to actually go off and have an adventure and be able to work because it's very different times right now it is <laughs> and you really can't take a tonka truck with you to, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to come along to work along the way so you've changed your skills up just to do this which is fabulous yeah and not just for this too i think it's yeah, a passion yeah 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 and with the yoga too i actually yeah a lady come across today and she's like oh are you doing a yoga class soon too so you know i think i'm really going to have to look at um, getting that that up off the ground too, but I'm kind of figuring out the best thing, best way of doing that at the moment with COVID and and not everyone has like a yoga mat that they bring with them and so yeah, trying to trying to work things out that in a COVID safe way. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, we are living in very unusual times, and um, but Tracy, thanks for agreeing to come and talk to us on Aging Fearlessly today. I think it's really important just to get the message out there that people can live the life that they want to live, that they can follow their passion and their purpose and really think outside the box and have a great time doing it. 100%. (laughs) Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for having me along, Karen. (laughs) This is Karen from Aging Fearlessly. Until next time. So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside There's a sparkle in your eye It's not all nine to five It's a wonderful life 